Welcome to Ask Me About K-Pop, the essential guide for recent converts and seasoned fans alike. My name is Shannon. And I'm Angelica. And welcome back to the show. It's time to have a talk, guys. (laughs) Um, Thanks very much for the truly wonderful reception to the last episode, I would say. Very supportive. Um, It was very nice to hear from all of you. Um... A little disappointing to hear how many people said that we were brave just because that like bums me out Uh, that like it is still like that it had to be viewed that way because God, we got to talk about this stuff, guys. It's true. I mean, we're doing our part to try and normalize this conversation, but it's not wrong to say that like we were a little nervous to talk about it. Oh, we were. (laughs) Um, But, you know, for the most part, we got a very warm response, which we appreciate and we hope that it will lead to more normalizing of, you know, calling out that problematic behavior so that it hopefully will stop happening so often. Absolutely. So today uh, we've been asking for a couple of weeks to hear from you guys about how you've been feeling about Black Lives Matter and K-pop and how they intersect. Um, And so today we have a few emails and a voicemail from some of our Black listeners because I think it's very important to hear black fans right now we said that last week and still mean it um so should we just kick it off and start with our first email absolutely okay so this first one is from brie who is one of the uh creators of our discord that we love so much um and just a note that all of these emails have been edited a little for time um we read them all obviously y'all had a lot to say and we're so glad you took the time to say it all but for the sake of the pod, I'm just going to read a little bit. Yes, so just we so have. You know. Yeah, we have condensed versions because we're pulling from emails, voicemails and also like chats from the discord server. So we are sort of trying to organize and categorize. And in doing that, we had to edit just a little. Just so you know. OK, so Bree says. When it comes to how K-pop companies and artists have responded to BLM, it's a bit of a strange place I find myself in. Donations and support are always appreciated. I feel like, particularly in the K-hip-hop and K-R&B communities, the artists are really trying to educate themselves and their fans in order to help the cause. BTS's donation is also greatly appreciated, but a part of me feels like it's just performative. It's not like people of color are treated very well in Korea, so it's hard to view a corporate entity as supportive of racial equality. I'm not saying that Big Hit is doing this solely for good publicity. I think their hearts are in it, but it feels like there's a lot more you can do than just donate money. And this last part I felt like was important for Bree's perspective and for all of us to hear it. Um, I'm not sure if I ever shared my origin story, but I actually got into K-pop because of my dad. He heard Bad Boy by Red Velvet and loved it so much that he showed it to me. And from that day forth, I fell in love with K-pop. Oh, and I forgot to mention my dad is black. Can you imagine a big black dude dancing around to twice? It's an interesting sight, if I'm honest. He's been discriminated against and profiled like many men of color probably have, but thankfully, he's still here. The things happening to black people, not just in the U.S., but around the world, break my heart because I just keep imagining my dad in those situations, or my brother, or my uncles and aunts, or my cousins, and it's disgusting. And I know it might sound silly, but if my dad had been taken from me the same way that these other men's have, men have been taken from their families, then I'd never have discovered K-pop. So obviously I'm thankful that my dad is here and that we're able to share our love of K-pop, but I'm also glad that we get the opportunity to fight for equal treatment for people of color. And I hope others take this story as an example of how similar we all are. We're all human, whether we're black, white, Asian, Latino, like K-pop, hate K-pop, etc. We all deserve to be treated with love, kindness, and respect. Amen. Snaps. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. And what a fun origin story. We've talked about K-pop parents who are like yes. in it with their how fun that must be um, to have to be able to jam out with your parents. Um, I really liked the point that Brie brought up about um, like individual idols 
speaking out about it versus the companies making statements because we talk about capitalism and the evils that right. come with it so many times. And we do have to remember that those corporations are corporations. So that feeling of being performative is something I've heard echoed in a lot of different a lot of different spaces in fandom right now. All right, let's uh, check the voicemail. Hi, Shannon and Angelica. Um, my name is Royal. I've called you guys before when I went to the C-17 with my friend and we were in the car. Yeah, sorry about any background noise. Um, so I just wanted to call to um, basically comment on uh, the last episode. Um, I am a uh, black American that loves K-pop. So I really do appreciate you guys um, doing the episode and like calling out all the problematic behavior. I, for one, am not shy to call out any of my fans' behaviors, especially when it's something that's like blatantly like racist. So um, I am in a uh, black K-pop community like Facebook group. And during this Black Lives Matter movement, a lot of us have been debating on basically how to feel and how we all feel basically with everything, especially a lot of people have been really adamant about idols like speaking out. So basically during the Blackout Tuesday, people were keeping tabs of what celebrities said something and what celebrities didn't say anything. And a lot of, like, the fans were like, okay, I'm only standing those that are saying something. And then I'm thinking, well, some idols can't do that. Some idols can't speak out because their company won't let them because they feel their company feel like it's a controversial thing. Um, even BM from Card said in his live that he, he's, he wouldn't be surprised if some of the idols were told by their companies not to say anything. But a lot of uh, companies that do have idols that said something, like uh, a couple of members from GOT7 said something, and then people are like, well, why isn't TWICE saying anything? Why isn't Shrekid saying anything? And it could be different for every group. But to me, I, I can understand why they didn't speak out, and also a lot of them are keeping tabs of those how soon they spoke out. Like when BTS didn't say anything for a long time, a lot of people in the group were really upset. But when they did finally say something and they even donated money, a lot of people were really, really excited about it. But a lot of people were still upset that it took so long. But in my brain, I'm thinking, well, they're probably thinking, how can we address this to help our fans? So I know a lot of African-American and black uh, community members that are K-pop fans, they are, oh my God, this truck. They are very, like, you know, adamant about what their faves say and what they do because they feel like if I'm going to spend my money on your product, I want to hear you say something. Like, for example, I'm a big Pentagon fan, and, of course, Pentagon didn't say anything, but Cube is also trash. So, like, that's a thing. But I don't know. Uh, a lot of people are feeling different in the black community, at least the ones that I'm, like, encountering. So, personally, I appreciate any, like, K-pop idol that speaks out, any K-pop idol that, like, donates money or says anything, because that means that they understand, and that means... Hi, Floriel. Again, I'm sorry I got cut off, but all I ha really had to say was... To me, as a black K-pop fan, I appreciate any idol that apologizes for any kind of past behavior. I appreciate any idol that, like, acknowledges what the black community is going through, especially with our relationship with the police and, like, systematic racism. And I appreciate any of that. And I honestly don't care how fast or how slow it comes as long as, like, I feel good if they do say something. And if they don't say something, a part of me feels kind of hurt. But a part of me also understands that, you know, it's not, it can't, it sometimes might not be their fault, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to ostracize anybody for, like, not speaking out because I know how things are when you're an idol. You're, like, under a microscope. But, yeah, that's my feelings. Okay, I'm sorry. That was so long. I love you guys. Thank you. I love the Discord, too. I'm just not very active because I'm lazy. Okay, bye. Thank you, L'Oreal. It was very good to hear from you, but also don't leave us voicemails while you're driving. It sounds dangerous. <laughs> I don't know if I played it in the episode, but there was a part where you were like, oh no, that truck. And it made me scared. <laughs> I was picturing her sitting in a parked car, and I don't know if that's uh, a fantasy, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give her the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> But that voicemail touched on a couple of things that I think we had discord comments and like things we wanted to sort of chat around, which is the idea of idols speaking up about Black Lives Matter and Blackout Tuesday in general. Mm -hmm. So 
do you have some comments for us? Yes. We talked about this in a lot of different ways on the Discord, and our conversation sort of started by asking ourselves, like, should idols be speaking out about Black Lives Matter? And we kind of started the conversation by saying, like, okay, I kind of feel conflicted about the fact that certain idols didn't and so I don't know if I should be expecting them to or whatever so we had a really nice open discussion about it and I thought one thing that's interesting from the voicemail is that she talked a little bit about how some idols might have um, pressure from their companies to not speak out about it mm-hmm. um, and we did discuss that a little bit on the discord but we also talked about how um, one thing that we found a little frustrating was when certain idols from a particular company would say something and then a member of that same company didn't so right. there was Mara who said I feel like if other people from their company did, then that literally gives the indication that they simply don't care or at least refuse to learn more about it and acknowledge it. I understand them being uncomfortable or not wanting to pressurize them, but I also think about how the fans that look up to them are directly hurting from the injustice happening to them. And then they see their fave posting normal selfies and carrying on with their day as if nothing's happening and that this doesn't concern them. It just doesn't seem right to me whatsoever. Like these people have the power to make a laundry detergent sell out. I'm personally so tired of making excuses for people in their power to be complicit. Um, There was some agreement and disagreement with that idea. Um, And another comment I wanted to point out just because I, I thought that this was, this touched on sort of the issue. We started talking about like how idols are under pressure to not be controversial, which is something that you and I talked a little bit about last week of how idols are not meant to be political. So Squiddlebees is the username (laughs) from the Discord, and uh, they said, I think it makes a lot of sense for an idol to refrain from posting in-depth about an issue that they don't have much education on or that they don't feel qualified to speak to. But I think it is another issue entirely to speak up about basic human rights. It doesn't matter what culture you're from or what amount of insight you have on the situation black lives matter i'd hope that the idols would take advantage of their huge social platform to say even something that simple and that was sort of the conclusion we came to and that was that this isn't a political issue it is a human rights issue and so it's i don't think it's outlandish or absurd to expect idols or people who have big social public platforms to speak out about it totally i totally can see that um Yeah, I think I'm personally too cynical and I stopped expecting anything out of idols ever a long time ago. Um, (laughs) But I totally don't think it's wrong. Like, it's an interesting thing where, like, you said at the beginning, like, should they? And I think obviously the answer is that they should. Mm -hmm. But, like, can they, will they? Like, all of those things are a different story. Are they canceled if they don't? That kind of thing. That kind of stuff. (laughs) Um um, so another interest, another email that we got from a listener named Marissa brought up an interesting point on the f- topic of should idols say anything that I thought was very interesting, um, which is, and it says, to really put a point on it, idols are expected to navigate extremely fragile geopolitical relationships with Japan and China and do that very successfully. Red Velvet performed in fucking North Korea. There's a video where you can see Sulgi lean over to Wendy before she turns back to the crowd to give a peace sign. I've never seen that clip with audio, but people presume that Sulgi asked her if it was okay to do that gesture. And I just wish that black people and the art that they made were treated with the same kind of reverence. I, as a Western fan, am constantly trying to make sure that I don't cross the line between appreciating and fetishizing Korean culture. So why can't idols in the K-pop machine be more thoughtful about appreciating black culture? And I thought that this was a great point Um, that like, and I think that is a huge, just general industry wide problem in Korea where it just seems like one of the other, like that they aren't interested um, that like the international community still doesn't have a big enough impact on their pocketbooks. Mm -hmm. Like we said, for them to give a shit about what's going on in our half of the world. Right. Um, and I, but that also that same point, which I feel like can about the Western, about Western fans, which I think is the same point you can make towards the fans that seem to be shutting down black fans about their, um, 
worries and issues with this is that like it seems to be very easy for all of us as k-pop fans to like defend our idols against anti-asian racism or to learn things about korean culture like we've all been able to do that very easily so i don't know why turning the spotlight onto a different thing suddenly makes it like just too hard for people to do Mm -hmm. yeah that the idea of a give and take would be so difficult a pill to swallow is um Come on. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Um, so that on that same topic that voicemail also mentioned the idea of a blackout Tuesday or what mm-hmm. did or did not happen way back on blackout Tuesday, which was like a month ago already now. Um, so this was just in case anybody missed it. This was, in my opinion, a like pretty weird and shallow marketing ploy by the music industry to try to be like we're just gonna be quiet today and I think they tried to like black out the album arts on Spotify and like people were not supposed to stream or something but obviously immediately when it started people started pulling the receipts about how bad music companies are at like paying people and stuff so It was, you know, an empty gesture, but it was an easy thing for people to participate in is the point. Yes. Well, it's it was started by um, black female musicians like in the American music industry. And the purpose of it was for non-black artists and music industry professionals to not promote themselves in order to instead amplify black voices in Mm. the music industry. So it wasn't a let's just be silent. It was a find an unknown black artist and use your platform to promote them. But, but Spotify it was, took it and said, and like, right. the, yeah, Sony Music became, and Spotify were like, we're going to just make everything on our website blank today, like to show you that we care. Yeah, that it wasn't became very performative very quickly. Um, and ultimately, it was like a lot of people came to the conclusion that it was sort of it backfired because a lot of people didn't read about the original purpose of it they didn't read the directions and right. so they ended up like flooding the black lives matter hashtag with um, blank you know posts. just blank squares um and that's where a lot of like protest information was so it kind of ended up being a mess but the it was intended as an event that was specifically for the black music industry i mean excuse me for the music industry specifically right. Um, and so we on the discord talked a lot about blackout Tuesday because we kind of felt that the, that was the opportunity for the K-pop industry or K-pop idols. If they're going to do anything, it should have been on black Tuesday. Um, we, talked a lot about how like the black community is responsible for nearly every single genre of American music. And I know that we've said that before on this podcast, but Mm -hmm. it's true. And if you don't know a lot about American history or at least American music history, it's very interesting. I strongly encourage you guys learn about it. Um, But K-pop draws directly from those genres, from hip hop and R&B, even direct samples uh, in their music. Um, And so therefore the silence in that, in a moment that was specifically designed to elevate black voices in the music industry and to recognize the black culture that the entire industry profits off of, that was very disappointing. So a few comments that I found about Blackout Tuesday I thought were eloquent and I'd like to share. Um, This first one comes from a user whose name is PowderedH2O. And they said, I think that if you're profiting off of black music and culture, you have a goddamn obligation to say something. At the same time, everyone needs to shut the hell up and fucking listen to black people, which is what the point of Blackout Tuesday was. Although in my opinion, it kind of backfired as many people clearly didn't read the original post that instructed to use a specific hashtag, etc. Scrambled Eggyo said uh, she specifically was talking about KCON USA um, because on Instagram on Blackout Tuesday, they posted two or so posts, frequently asked questions about their streaming event. It was completely tone deaf. They didn't post anything about Black Lives Matter until Thursday or Friday. As a black woman, it made me feel conflicted about U.S. K-pop fans and another K-pop podcast and Discord I follow who have been largely silent and kind of business as usual. It made me question how to feel safe in these K-pop spaces. I 
both wanted to make a statement to the group, but also, again, felt burdened and angry that I would have to do more work as a black woman. I particularly wanted to bring up that last quote because I think that that's something that we've heard on a lot of different K-pop spheres, like on our, this was from our Discord, but on Instagram and Twitter, um, there's been a lot of talk about the sort of silencing of black K-pop fans and also the the labor, the extra labor that we're expecting, um, you know, black fans or uh, black indigenous people of color to do in educating the masses um, and how frustrating and exhausting that can be. Absolutely. And I have an email that touches on a lot of those things. Um, This is going to be a long one, but Kayla took a lot of time and I really appreciated her perspective. So I would like to read most of this email right now we appreciate eloquence all right so Kayla says I think it's incredibly hard being a black k-pop fan first most people don't think k-pop is something that black people would even like so they typically can't even conceive of us being fans but when you break it down it's so absurd when at this point in time almost every group requires having a rapper the biggest global k-pop group bts began as a hip-hop group and highlight their three rappers the former biggest the former biggest global k-pop group was also hip-hop originated big bang and one of the biggest global solo artists was a full r&b singer Rain. In fact, most K-pop artists mention one or more Black artists as their inspiration. As a Black K-pop fan, we have to wade through the murky waters of appropriation versus appreciation and express heavy sighs over whether we want to say anything about hair and style controversies because we're extremely tired of educating others about the problems with Blackface or the new Black fishing thing and Black scents and complete with neck rolls and finger snaps and witnessing the seemingly only way to greet black people, which sounds like, yo, man, dope and swag, accompanied by with, accompanied by what can only be described as rap hands. Yet, many of us will still look past it, recognizing that a homogenized country isn't easily made aware or educated as to why this is irritating to a specific population, but the most hurtful thing is that it sort of seems like South Koreans don't really care anyway. It's a controversy, it's a controversy only for the international audience, which is most likely not the main source of income or priority in public satisfaction, which, to be fair, makes sense. However, it's still infuriating that South Korean entertainment wants to be global, but doesn't care to educate educate themselves about the issues that arise as controversial. It's insulting that K-pop idols themselves publicly praise and are inspired by black culture, but seemingly have no desire to educate themselves about it. While BTS's American Hustle life was a cringe fest, it exposed these young men to all types of black men and women, and they learned about black hip-hop culture from the people who originated it, and it was arguably one of Big Hit's best moves for global positioning. We as fans now know that they don't see black people in fear or in wide-eyed fascination, as I have seen from other idols in interviews and travel-type shows. Additionally, when black K-pop fans express express any frustration online, someone is bound to call us desperate, ugly, over-insensitive, or blindly defend their faves and absolve them from any wrongdoing because they didn't know better or the company made them do it. And to add, the aggressive fans who are still mad and don't forgive racist actions might not be black at all, but their fervor is interpreted as angry black women and is met with the aforementioned insults and worse. Black K-pop fans are allowed to be frustrated by ignorance, appropriation, and I personally have struggled with the pain of silence from other groups who should be or should have been checking their ignorance, but they don't. Black K-pop fans are allowed to exist, and just like the Black Lives Matter movement, we are not asking for more than to be seen, heard, and respected. So well said. On all points. Thank you for all of that, Kayla. Um, yeah, this, one of the things I wanted to highlight about this that I think isn't a note for all of us non-black fans that are like trying to learn and unlearn the point about getting too angry about things that are not yours to be angry about is very interesting. Um, because like, I think there, yeah, I think there's a line between like support and like, uh, I don't know, like harming, harming a movement. Like, yeah, you end up adding this voice that 
colors the movement in a way that you don't intend to or something like for example you know if if a non-black fan is or a non-black person is getting angry about you know an anti-black sentiment if you're getting angry in person that might be one thing right because you can see the color of your skin that is attached to this whatever the anger that you're having but if you're doing it online you have to be aware that the people that are reading your comment they don't necessarily know who you are or you know uh where you come from and so they might assume that all of the people who support Black Lives Matter are black, right? If somebody is against the Black Lives Matter movement, then they're probably not that well informed in the first place. So they're going to make a lot of assumptions about you. And you have to be careful as a supporter of that movement. Are you actually helping or are you harming? Um, Because you're being ignorant about your own privilege as you are saying your own opinions. So we just have to be very conscious of a lot of things. Because I think that something that like marginalized groups in any setting have to learn is like to pick your battles. Um, So I think sometimes like there might be like a black fan who's like, this is my favorite group. And like, ooh, they said or did this thing like and I'm disappointed in them. But like, I'm just going to like shake my head and keep going. But then somebody else who like maybe doesn't even isn't even that invested in that group has decided that they're going to go on a cancel crusade about this and like make it a huge deal. And like, I don't know, it's like it's not yours to. And then same thing at the other side of it, people accepting apologies that are not made for them, I feel like is also the same thing. Um, Yeah, yeah. that's problematic as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, like you were saying, comes from this idea of like people of color, black indigenous people of color have to, are like forced into picking their battles, right? Right. Because we don't have the luxury of battling all of the prejudices at once. We've got to pick them, (laughs) which ones are most important right now, which one's threatening my life in the current instance. Mm -hmm. Um, And so because, and that, so then that comes back as like being a non-black ally or a white ally, like you have to be careful about the, the battles that you choose and how you choose to fight them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, back to our original point of like, listen to black fans, like let them lead the conversation. And even again, at the same time, like no, no group is a monolith and like people are individuals at the same time. Um, and like that is an important perspective to like consider and so we should be listening to like lots of people and taking in like lots of opinions um because i doubt that there are you know many things that you could say that like all the black k-pop fans completely agree like i don't know everybody Absolutely. no you can't yeah no group of, no individual is a monolith right and you can't you have to be careful too of like allowing one person or one voice to become representative of an entire group that's just as harmful as you know negative prejudices and, and opinions um so it's a i mean it's a complex web we weave and <laughs> that we now have to navigate um it sure i think is. another point that i thought was interesting is this idea of like not of just staying critical not only of yourself and sort of the fandom space that you exist in but also being critical of the idols that we are fans of right right we talked of course a lot about that last week um but we talked a a lot about it the importance of being critical fans on the discord as well um and you know the main idea the thesis statement is basically it's dangerous to blindly follow anyone, right? Like sure. that's sort of the main consensus that everyone comes to. Um, but I just want to highlight a little, a short thread that came as a part of this discussion because we have a, a wide range of, of listeners. We have a, mm-hmm. large, lo- a wide range of participants in the Discord. And at a certain point in the chat, um, a younger listener v- 
wondered, you know, if idols should just keep their opinions to themselves because the conversations are uncomfortable and they personally like didn't want to see their favorite groups crumble, right? Like they talked a little bit about how groups have a deep emotional and personal significance to different fans. And so they were afraid of losing that, right? Like this Mm -hmm. is a group that helped me love myself. Um, You know, like I don't want to see them fall because of this because of this thing, right? That's going on right now. Um, And I just wanted to sort of highlight the thread that came from that because I thought it was a really important um, discussion of why we have to be critical. Sure. So... Slowpoke Megan started the conversation. She said, we have to discuss things that make us uncomfortable in order to learn and grow. If you are not in a place where you can participate in that conversation without becoming extremely upset or ridden with anxiety, then you may have to take a step back from the internet until you're ready to participate in these hard conversations. There's no shame in it. Beverly added, Also, critical conversations or criticism doesn't mean that a group will end. It's just another layer of interacting with their music. That in particular, I think, is an excellent point. Like, it is so imperative that we interact critically with the music. Um, I was reading today about the way that, like, media creates implicit bias. Um, mm-hmm. Like, the the television and the music and the movies that we see, even if we're not aware of it, they are just, like, influencing the way that you see the world. Right. So, I loved that point. Um, another user, Jantax, they talked a little bit about like a specific instance, which I thought was, I wanted to bring up because we did talk a lot about Wendy last week. This person said, for me personally, I just try to remember that you can love things and also criticize them. My ultimate bias is Wendy from Red Velvet, but she's said many racist things over the years and has never apologized for any of them, even when her fans pointed it out and her silence now just makes it sting more, but she can simultaneously inspire me to do better myself and also be right. I think her racist words are wrong and I hope one day she can see that and learn from it and that's part of supporting her too. That being said, for now, my time and support is going to the protesters and the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, MMY added that idols market themselves to be loved by fans. They present themselves in a way that makes you feel loyal and connected to them. You have to always be wary of that dynamic as a K-pop fan, but I also think you can be forgiving to yourself for loving someone's persona, even if the real person behind it isn't quite the same. I liked that point, too, because, first of all, it's advice from a VIP, so, you know, it comes from a from a place of knowledge. Of real um, truth, yeah. But there's been a lot, I've seen a lot on the Discord of, like, feeling guilty for fans feeling guilty for not knowing that their idols did right. these problematic things, or fans feeling guilty for supporting a certain group while not being aware of certain problematic pasts. And I just think, you know, like, you don't know what you don't know, right? Right. So, like you can't guilt yourself for being ignorant about it but now that you do know what are you going to do about it I think is the is the bigger is the bigger issue and I just wanted to end it with this last statement um which is from Tai Tai because I thought that they said this they summed this up quite nicely um and so they said I always try to think of it as I love their music and I love their smiles and laughter I love that they make me feel loved and safe and happy but I don't love them because I can never know them I mean how would I feel if some random person showed up and knew all about me and thought they loved me despite never having met me I just thought that was the perfect way to sum it up of like, we don't know these idols at the end of the day. And so the way that we interact with their music and with their public persona, like it's gotta be critical and you have to remember that they're a, that they are a public persona. Absolutely. And I feel like on that point, like something that, um, that I want to stress because I think it's, I feel like it's very important to me at this moment to try and break down any bit of, the cultiness that comes in K-pop fandom. Um, For real, if none of y'all have ever looked up the like list of 30 things that make a cult, you should do it sometime because fandom behavior is frightening sometimes. But like I, the idea that like some, like your idols problematic actions have anything to do with you, I think is like something that people need to like reckon with or whatever that like, how am I trying to say this? The like, 
if somebody says that like, your favorite idol said a bad thing, they're not saying that you are a bad person. Like mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with you. Um, so I think people take it very personally and that's where all the crazy like defensiveness comes in Mm -hmm. because you don't want to be like, well, I can't like something that isn't completely perfect, but like nothing is perfect and no one is perfect. Um, and you're allowed to like people and things that are problematic and it isn't a reflection of like you being a bad person. Like that was their choice that they made. And like you said, like, what are you going to do about it? But like, nobody's saying that you are bad because you still listen to because big bang songs still make you shake your booty like that's not that's not that has nothing to do with it you know what I mean absolutely I also thought like people I think get just get defensive right like that's the knee-jerk reaction of when we call out problematic behavior or when we ask people to take accountability whether you're asking an idol that like you're a big fan of to be accountable and then you get defensive as a fan or you yourself are being asked to be accountable for something I think our knee-jerk reaction is always to be defensive but I heard this uh quote today that I thought was so beautiful and that um you should take accountability as a sign of love because the person who is calling you out doesn't want you to be ignorant and they don't want you to say hurtful, harmful things. They want you to be better. And that is a sign that they care about you and about who you are in this world. So I think if we try to remember that, no matter who we are trying to hold accountable, it's because we care and we want this world to be a better place and we want all of us to be better people. Yes. Like I said last week, like, I think all of us would much rather the K-pop just be better and do better than for all of us Mm -hmm. to have to, like, give it up because we can't, like, swallow it anymore. Mm -hmm. Because we like the K-pop. It makes us happy. Like, we're all here because the K-pop makes us happy. (laughs) Um, And we wanted to keep making us happy. Um, All right. So this is our last email. And this is from a listener named Toya. And she says... I feel the media and even some fandoms are teetering on the edge of white saviorism. The media is portraying K-pop fans as this ultra-woke, conscious group of young people taking down the system. And at first it was great having allies, but not when people are trending the White Lives Matter hashtag. And with the trolling of the Trump rally, it's it's veering the attention to the root issue, which is police brutality and equality. The actual voices of black K-pop fans are getting drowned out in the discussion because the media would rather have a white face in front. The second issue is that it's now being used as a look what our group did or our faves did more than your faves. Yes, it's great that Big Hit gave $1 million, but don't be fooled. That is Big Hit's money. That is not BTS's individually, but it's being weaponized against other fandoms and even against Black Army. And she included a bunch of screenshots. If we, African Americans, cannot speak up or even dare be critical of groups, then are we really wanted in fandoms? Mm. Unfortunately, I don't see a solution other than black fans mass boycotting or black writers and producers not taking work, but I know that probably won't happen. Companies care about white Western audiences, so unless the real, real people of influence and power speak up, we'll have an issue of appropriation and we'll listen to another apology and the cycle will begin again. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like this email. I know that it's like not, it didn't end hopefully or anything like that. Um, <laughs> but I don't know that, that line of like, if we can't speak up or be critical, then are we even wanted mm-hmm. was like that punch me in the chest. Yeah. Um, but that's a very, that's the important question, right? Is like if mm-hmm. you're going to sh- if the fandom doesn't support these opinions, then they don't support those individuals, right? And so maybe they're not welcome in that space. And we have to think about the kind of space that we are creating, right? Like I remember when um, Star when John Boyega like did his great speech at one of the Black Lives Matter protests in London, um, Star Wars like came out and said something in support of him. And a lot of people immediately called them out because when John Boyega was first cast and like all through the promotions Uh of Star Wars, he's been the victim of so many racist comments and trolls and um, all of them who were these quote unquote diehard Star Wars fans. Right. And so the public was sort of calling on Star Wars to think or to 
say, hey, think about the space that you've created and who you have allowed to be your fans and how you have created a space where your fans think that it's appropriate to attack your your black male lead and like how you are responsible in creating that space. And I think we as fans can hold a bit of responsibility for the kind of space that we create and who are we listening to? Who are we shutting down? Who are we, you know, supporting as fans together? Yeah, absolutely. And back to the like cult thing or the thing we were saying last week about anyone with an opinion being uh, dismissed as an anti Mm -hmm. that I think so, so, so often whenever, you know, somebody, somebody writes a horrible tweet, right? Some or denies some racist action or something gross. People who share the same profile picture as them because they like the same group immediately go, oh, well, we don't claim them. And like, instead of like, you know, engaging with quote unquote, your own people or like taking a stand as a fandom, like it's easier for people to be like, we don't claim the haters. And we also don't claim anybody saying anything rude. And we just like, don't claim anything that isn't pure hype for our group. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just what allows like the bad behavior to just continue and get worse and worse all the time. Um, Cause of like weird tribalism, um, and like, I don't know. I uh, I don't know. <laughs> Did you lose your train in the middle? I can't remember if I had a better. I don't know. I don't know if I have a better way to end that. A lot of these things that we're talking about, I don't. It's not like I have a grand, great point or a good answer. A lot I of mean, these things not just an end answer. with a sigh. Yeah, like there. That's these are just truths. That we have to swallow, right? Like, so much of what's happening right now, it's it's a very interesting and exciting time to be alive, I will say, because there's a big part where we think of revolution and we think of action, right? Like, what can I do right now today in order to make this world a better place? But so much of what's happening right now is about like an internal revolution in the sense Mm -hmm. that like we have to accept certain realities about the world that we live in. We have to swallow certain truths about ourselves and our own implicit biases. We have to think very critically and consciously about how we are complicit or complacent or even help perpetuate the different racism that's built in our society. So there's a lot of unlearning that's happening, Mm -hmm. right? We have to look at the society that we are a part of and unlearn a lot of lies that we've been taught, like from either literally being taught like incorrect history to just, you know, not even realizing the way in which certain media, for example, like shapes our perspective or the history of that media where it comes from. So there's a lot of I mean, I think to your point of like, there is no real answer. There's no like pretty bow that we can tie on this to say, and that's it. We solved racism. (laughs) Good night, folks. Like, right. It's just, this is something we're going to have to deal with every fucking day. And like, the reality is that you and I will not live to see this anti-racist world, right? We will hopefully live to see great change toward an anti-racist world. But that honestly is something that probably will never exist. Mm -hmm. and that's okay but we're gonna continue to try to make it exist and it's important to keep trying and also that the people who are trying have to recognize that like there are no prizes and there are no cookies and like nobody has to forgive anyone like if every single person that we talked about last week like released the most sincere statement tomorrow like it would still be 100% fine if fans, like, didn't forgive them. Mm -hmm. Like, they don't have to. Um, And, like, of course we always want people to, like, come around to the other side, but, like, I don't know. The people that they hurt don't have to, like, think that that it's all fine now. You know what I mean? Yeah. So on that topic, I got uh, a Twitter DM that was like a bit of a correction expansion on something that I said last week. Mm -hmm. So when we were talking about Amber um, and how she had said some like weird pro cop things in the past and got called out for it, 
Um, and then what I was what I was sort of trying to get at is that when she immediately posted that she was at a protest, there were people that were like, I thought you love cops. Like this you is like a really popular thing on Twitter right now where somebody makes an apology or says like black lives matter. And then someone screenshots something awful they said before to be like Mm. this you. Right. Um, And sort of being like, well, like you probably shouldn't, if someone's trying, you shouldn't throw things back in their face. But that was not the end of it, so I'm going to read this DM to explain. So this came from uh, Seventeen Sav on Twitter, and they wrote, um, Toward the end of the podcast, you mentioned Amber, and I thought I would give my unsolicited opinion and give insight to Shannon, who seemed confused and misunderstood why black people are still unhappy with Amber. As a black fan, after Amber's apology for the comments she made about the black man being manhandled for eating a sandwich, I basically had to quietly and amicably unstand. The reason why people have been pissed off with Amber lately is because she was using her position of influence to tell others to push for the murderers of George Floyd to be charged for murder in the first degree. Her remaining black audience told her that that's not what the black community wanted because it would be harder to prove in court and would thus increase the probability of them going free. She then responded to the voices of the black community with, and I'm summarizing here, I said what I said and this is how I feel. And that made us feel like she says black lives matter while completely ignoring black voices because those two should matter and they are very correct in saying so um yeah the defensiveness is very bad and uh oh mm-hmm. god damn it i thought we were getting somewhere with you um so all that to say i didn't mean to like jump in and be like everyone has to forgive amber because if that's how it came across that's not what i meant to do at all nobody has to forgive amber for anything <laughs> that's the point um um, so, so, so I was trying to make a point about letting people grow because there have been a lot of like things going around Instagram that's like normalized changing your opinion when presented with new information. Um, and that's very true. And so I was trying to be like, let people change their minds, but I think I chose the wrong person to hang my example on. So very disappointing. And I'm very sorry about that because she immediately let me down with extreme defensiveness, <laughs> Um, and that's like we said, like we talked about earlier, like defensiveness is also a real problem. Mm -hmm. Um, Defensiveness is, is, yeah, it doesn't help anyone. Just remember accountability is an act of love. Being, being held accountable is a sign of love. That's nice. Yeah. Right. Isn't that lovely? Just sort of re we gotta, we're trying to reframe our, our thinking in all, in all kinds of ways. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. Um, well, let me see. Do we have any more thoughts about any of these messages or anything in the last episode or anything at all? Because again, cultural appropriation is coming. That is a big, very, very, very messy topic that has a ton of moving parts mm-hmm. and a ton of people involved and a lot of blame to go around or not go around and opinions about whether or not it even matters. So that is a whole other thing but anything on fandoms or idols and what they should or shouldn't say or what we should expect out of any of them or anything that we've discussed today um I feel like I'm not sure if I have anything uh, anything to say that hasn't already been said um I am sincerely, I will say I'm sincerely grateful and appreciative of our community. Um, We talked a lot about like creating the kind of space that we create and our platform, you know, is not enormous, but it's also not insignificant. And so I'm very um, grateful that we've been able to create a community that is very well-spoken it's very encouraging it's very supportive and even on the disc I've said this before on the show but you know our discord is a great place for so many different kinds of discussions and it's I don't want to paint it as this sort of like-minded kumbaya hive mind where like everybody thinks like us and everybody agrees because it's not the case. Um, But I think that our moderators do a really great job of like popping in and reminding people to be careful, respectful, or mindful of certain rules. But I also think that we just in general, like from what I've seen, even the disagreements are so respectful and like the way that people voice their opinions 
has just sort of been like a sigh of relief in what can sometimes feel like a never ending barrage of toxicity. Like there's, there's just so many different places in this world where the fandom is, is not pleasant. And so Mm -hmm. I just want to say a very deep, heartfelt, sincere thank you to all of our listeners for helping us to create a welcoming space where we are hopefully hearing and respecting all voices. Yes, I totally agree with that. And I also just think, yeah, I just think that it's very special. And like what the thread that you read earlier that was like people going back and forth, like I know for a fact that like one of the people in that conversation is in their 40s and Mm -hmm. one of the people in that conversation is 14. Yeah. So like people like, I don't know, we have a really big diverse group of people all over the world. And I love that. I love the, I love the space that we've found and I'm like very very proud of all of the youngins mm-hmm. because like I don't know I didn't know shit about shit when I was 15. <laughs> Like, and I, I appreciate the youngins for saying, oh, I don't know anything about that, because I think that's something as at any age, we need to be more comfortable admitting when we don't know things, because there's nothing wrong with not knowing things. It's just about how you educate yourself. Right. That's important. So like if some if someone makes a point that you don't know anything about, you don't have to get defensive about it. We can say, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know about that. And then, you know, don't necessarily ask them to teach you about it because Google exists and be aware of of free labor that you're asking of other people. Um, But, you know, there's nothing wrong with admitting that you don't know something. (laughs) And I think that's something our younger listeners do very well and that we of all people should do more often. Absolutely. And on the topic to wrap this up before we play around a random game on the topic of like doing free labor or whatever. I want to say the sincerest thank you to all of our black listeners who wrote in and called in and like, because again, y'all don't have to do that, but I appreciate so much that you took the time to share your perspective for people who might not know what it is like for you. Um, because I think like we said, we like have to, we have to focus on the black fans and like how they feel because they are the ones being disrespected and therefore their opinions matter more in this instance. So like we have to amplify and promote and listen to black voices period. So sincere thank you to everybody who wrote in for today's episode. Mm -hmm. Um, Hearing from you was, it was just, it was important and we needed it. And um, so I thank you. I thank you for doing that work and putting your pain in paper because you shouldn't have to, but I'm glad that you did for it, for everybody listening. Mm, yes. Thank you. Great. Um, so uh, with that, this conversation will continue. We know that, um, but thanks for having this one with us today. And we will be right back with a random game. Okay, we're back. And today we got a band band. Yes, a pop rock band. Called Honeyst. Yes, spelled H-O-N-E-Y-S-T. And it is supposed to be a combination of honey and artist. Very nice. Um, So they debuted in 2017 under FNC. And they participated, they like were formed on the TV show Dancer Band, Mm -hmm. which we've talked about before, because that is the show that created SF9. Yes. Because they were the dance and Honeyst were the band. Yes. So eventually this band, they lost to the dance group, which won the public voting and then went on to debut as SF9. So... FNC Entertainment announced the debut of Honeyst in May of 2017, um, and they debuted with a single album called Like You on May 17th, 2017, and the single is called the same name, Like You. Yes, and that peaked at 22 on the album, Gowan album chart. They released a second uh, single album in November of uh, 2017. And then last year in April, FNC announced that Honeyst would be disbanding due to creative differences. Yes. So they are no more. They were, I don't know if we said they were a four-member boy group. Um, yeah. And but they two are. Two songs only. Yeah. 
So, hello, goodbye, honeyst. All right. So all there is to do, because there's nothing else to say, is to watch this music video for their debut song, Like You. And uh, here we go. Yes. Ready? One, two, three. Four boys holding instruments outside of what looks like a school or a man. Okay, one of them is oh, one of them is breaking off to go talk to a girl in a pink skirt. Ooh, he's gonna give her a letter. Is it oh, a he's love shy. letter? This is way cutier than I thought it was gonna be. Yeah, and I'm not I usually. I usually expect the bands to be emo. They're usually pretty emo. Yeah. I expected that as well. But this is like bubblegum as fuck. Yeah. So he's like walking through the courtyard and all the other people are like coupled up and like having a good time. But he is just beaming at the camera. He's got a big smile on Oh, is there a is there a school dance happening? It looks like there's it. weird decorations in the hallways. A boy has a surfboard inside. I think I've heard this song before somehow. It feels like a drama song. Yeah. He's just everyone's like admiring cute couples. Yeah, everyone's coupled up. But I gotta say, so far, this music video only stars one of the band It's like members. a single shot. They've just been following this yeah, dude the whole right. time. Yeah, you're right. It's been a one... Oh, here's another guy. Put that guitar on. Maybe the creative differences were that the company only promoted <laughs> this one guy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're how many minutes? We're two minutes into this music video, and they just added a second member to the shot. And is that the first time we're hearing a second voice in the song? I wasn't paying close enough attention to the chorus. I'm not sure. Okay, out Oh, the rest of the band is out on the soccer field. This looks like the high school from 10 Things I Hate About You. Yeah, any school that has like a sunken soccer field with like amphitheaters yeah. on the side. <laughs> Three guitars is a lot. One is a bass. I know, but we could have a keyboard. I always think it's sad when, or like weird when they like force a lead singer to hold an acoustic guitar because they usually don't do enough with it. That's like, it's just like here, have another guitar, I guess. You need something to do with your hands. Man, this they are truly is, treating it at like this is the yeah. he is the only this is like a solo artist's yeah. music video. I don't even know what the drummer looks like. No, nope. they like have haven't even seen him. the drummer's face. Oh there he oh, is. There it is. I was right, there is a school dance. And they're the band. Oh, she's oh. there. The girl oh my he God. gave the letter to. The whole crowd, no choreography. Yep, that's yep. cute. <laughs> All right. See, where was the keyboard? That was the keyboard. <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna lie, I'm kind of glad the other members have moved on from this group because that felt real dirty. That did. I've never seen anything like that where one member gets 85% of the screen time. Yeah, that was that was that was wild. That was interesting. Um, well, but sorry, honeyst. Honeyst. Yeah. Oh, honeyst. <laughs> Ooh, honeyst. 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 Okay. Huntiest. Um, <laughs> 
Um, do you have a recommendation for us this week? Yes, Queen Sunmi <laughs> came back with okay. Pori Pam, Pori Pam Pam, Pori Pam. I don't know. I don't remember how many P's. Pori Pam. It means purple light night. Pora it's Pora it's like not um it's, it's not, not nonsense. Curry. It is curry. Yeah, like the titles in like English and looks like nonsense, but like it's not. But it's, it's also not, like, not dumb a dumb. real word, right? It's like a she smushed words together. She smushed it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, Pora pipam. Anyway, is that Pora, what we just decided Pora it was? Pam. Yes. What a beat bum. Uh, the music video is great. It's like perfect Sunmi aesthetic. She is the queen of consistency, I think. Um, the stages are fun because she knows how to objectify a man in her choreography. And they are wearing like ridiculous, floofy flamenco shirts. The girls are wearing gorgeous sun hats. The hats She's are so wearing good. super cute sequin dresses um, and like little onesies, too. She saw I saw a performance today that she was wearing like a little red like onesie and it was cute as fuck. Um, but the song is fun, as as many of her songs are. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I would say it's not like it's not as hard of a banger as like La La Lay, but it's definitely a, uh, it's definitely a bop. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've I've been enjoying the I enjoyed the music video and I've been enjoying the stages as well. Great, that's a very good recommendation. I love that. Um, I'm going to recommend not a K-pop, but I just have to shout it out. But I am watching It's Okay to Not Be Okay on Netflix right now. <gasps> Um, and I don't know if everybody's heard about this, but Kim Soo Hyun, star of My Love from Another Star, is out of the army and he's back and he's still gorgeous. And he's on a new drama on Netflix called It's Okay to Not Be Okay, or the Korean title is I'm Psycho, but that's okay. Um, and it is, I don't want to like give too much away about it, but like it's creepy and it's very goth and it's like mm-hmm. bloody and the like mysterious drama is very dramatic and like but it's also very artsy they've seemed to have like hired like an insane art department to create like claymation and paper craft and sand art and like all this like they're doing like artsy things with it they're this- playing with the medium a lot and his face is just so beautiful. I want to smoosh it. And the main actress is amazing. <laughs> She's amazing. And her mm-hmm. clothes are so good. And her eye makeup is like so inspiring. Anyway, there's four episodes out right now. They're putting out two every weekend because it's currently airing. So you can start watching and like be on board and watch it with everyone else. Um, so I just had to shout that out because it's been a minute since there's been like a new drama that I've really been into. And this one is great. So it's okay to not be okay on Netflix right now. That's my rec. Good one. I like it. <sighs> all right. That's it for today. Again, thank you for sharing all of your thoughts. And you're welcome to keep doing so. Like I said, we're going to keep talking about this. Um, we still have lots more to say. So we're listening. Um, and you can find us at AMA K-pop pod on Twitter and Instagram emails, go to AMA K-pop pod at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to join the discord, ask me about K-pop. There's a link in our Instagram header, um, that should work. I don't know if it's searchable. I truly don't know enough about discord to like know how you like find it from scratch, but I know if you click the link in our Instagram, it will be like, Shannon is inviting you to join the discord. So I know that will work. Yes, and that works on your phone and on the computer. Because when I was preparing for this episode, I opened our Instagram on the desktop and then opened the Discord from there. <laughs> yes, and the the desktop Discord is pretty good. You can use more GIFs and stuff. Um, <laughs> also, if you want to leave a voicemail like we heard today, do it safely. Uh, and the phone number is 181-AMA-KPOP5. If you are an international caller, we asked uh, last week if you wanted to just like record a voice note and then email it to us like as an attachment. And our lovely listener Mara did, but we couldn't open the file. Mara, I don't know we can't why. Open it. We can't open it. I'm sorry. So maybe I don't know if you like <sighs> can it send it through like Google Drive? If it's like yeah, a like, link you can share. 
Zip or something. It. Use WeTransfer. God, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We'll, but we'll keep shopping solutions. But I will just say, because I have to shout it out because you brought her up, but our listener, Mara, it was Angelica's birthday over the weekend. <laughs> and she made this, first she made a funny like side-by-side where it looked like Angelica was looking dreamily at Minghao. And another listener was like, it looks like she's probably still thinking about Chanyol. So she made this funny video that has the sound from Inside Out where it's like, have you ever looked at someone and wondered what's going on in their head? And then it zooms into her head. And then it was like thirsty Chanyol videos. And it was so funny. And it made us laugh so much. Uh, it was it was the best gift I received. I got to tell you. <laughs> it was, that was so funny. But it also immediately made me feel really guilty. Um, like I was betraying Ming Hao because the picture that she, <laughs> he was like looking so lovingly at me. And then in the video was just like, oh boy so anyway point is that we love you guys thank you (laughs) yeah we love you guys and we love that you're smart and thoughtful and creative and funny um and we're proud of our community and that it is a place where people feel safe to share their real feelings and Mm -hmm. like giggle about and fan and fangirl and fanboy and have a good time um, because like you said, there is a lot of toxicity out there and I'm truly honored that we can be a space that has very little of that. So here, here. Yeah. All right. We'll be back next week. Um, stay safe. Keep washing your hands, especially if you're in your in America. God damn it. This virus is going to get us. Please be careful. Oh, y'all. Okay. <laughs> I gotta go. We gotta go. (laughs) We gotta go. I love you. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Jonghyun, you're our inspiration. Bye.